You're listening to the Oodles of Marketing podcast, where two brothers, not brothers, wage war, debate peacefully, against the pitfalls of digital marketing. That part is accurate. Here are your hosts, Mark and Ryan Hughes. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode. This week, we're talking about remote work, kind of a slightly different topic. It's not directly related to marketing, but it is applicable to just about everybody that works in professional services. And your organization, whether you're in charge of making those decisions or you're a part of those decisions, you've been impacted by the decisions around remote work. So we're going to dig into our experiences around remote work, how we've navigated that, not just over the course of the pandemic and and until now in 2022, uh, but also pre-pandemic, where we had some employees that wanted to work remote and we had to navigate that way before technology was really available to, to do that at scale. Um, but before we do that, we're going to talk about some interesting stuff in the marketplace, starting with Amazon. I feel like Amazon's a, a thing every week on our, our thing. We're always I think we've something. talked about Amazon every every episode. Yeah, well, you know, they're, they're always in the news. They're noteworthy. So, uh, it's this, not even that big of a company. <laughs> no, they're just super tiny. You know, they, we have just as many zeros as mm. as Amazon, right? Uh, so Amazon adds top engagement ranking, but TikTok holds the innovation crown. Um, so what does that mean? That's that's based on Kantar's latest media reactions report, and what it really means is that Amazon is now the number one spot through this analysis for uh, ad relevance, right? I wonder if they're using, if they're including in that Twitch. Hmm. Oh, yeah. That's an interesting question. Because I've been, what? I've been sitting here asking myself, what, like, how, how in the hell are Amazon ads that, that high up? But I'm wondering if they're including Twitch, which is like an the whole Amazon universe product. of the company. Yeah. Hmm. It'd be interesting, interesting thing to dig into. Um, and another interesting factoid about this is that influencer marketing has replaced podcast ads as the online format carrying the most equity. Reversal from twenty twenty one trends. Surprise me. Yeah, no, and it doesn't it doesn't mean either. I think we talked about influencer marketing every single one of these too. It's a big deal. It's a big big deal. Next, we've got Roblox uh, ad expansion. Plans to include 3D portals to branded experiences. This is a really, really interesting topic. And I think we talked about this maybe even in episode one, where we talked about the idea of physical and virtual worlds combining. And that actually presents mm-hmm. big opportunities for advertisers and brands to, mm-hmm. cr- to, to be part of someone's experiences that aren't, not, that aren't in a normal environment, quote unquote, in a traditional marketing sense. Right. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, it's interesting here because like, you you know, when you, some of these things have started to crop up um, in the, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of it right now, the, in the NFT space and, you know, Mm -hmm. some of those worlds where you can buy property with using, you know, Ethereum or or whatever, that's been something that's talked, but like people do that, but it's kind of a, it's more of like a fringe yep. group of folks, right? Uh, a lot more progressive into cryptocurrency and, and, and all of those things. Uh, and it's Which is a whole different topic. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll get there. Um, yeah. Roblox is, 
uh, one of the largest games of all time. Like I think they've, I think they've yep. topped Minecraft at this point. I think they have um, as well. Or are very close sure on to. That. Yeah. So you've got, now you've got someone and literally like, what do you do in Roblox, right? Like Roblox and Minecraft, both of them are about building worlds. So now they've created this, this whole thing where brands can build virtual worlds within uh, Roblox and Minecraft and have, or well, Roblox in this case, and have a way to, uh, for people to it's interact. It's essentially in-game advertising, right? So it think is of it as like advertising, a, yeah. It's, a, it's like a billboard, but instead of driving by it in your car, your little character is running by it in-game uh, as the simplest way to kind of think about it. There's, I'm sure, a lot more immersive formats than that. but Well, sort of, but did you check out that Gucci town? Like, they built a whole... Like a whole they did, they built city. a whole town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's, it's, it's almost like a world that you can go navigate and, and do cool stuff in. But I think yeah, the, and go ahead. Like these sorts of experiences, like for some people, they, like these are weird. I'm sure there's a number of people that'll look at this and be like, this is weird. Why would you ever play this? These, these types of games and interactions of, of these just like social interactions have, have really taken off a lot more than I think people realize. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially like, you know, in virtual reality, like I'm a, I'm a big fan of VR. One of the most popular games in VR is VR chat. And it's all about the same sort of thing. It's just people hanging out and doing things like just sometimes just hanging out in different places. Sometimes people will be watching movies together. Like there's all sorts of different things that you can do in VR chat. But that idea of just kind of co- you're all you're doing is coexisting, right? I did that when I played Minecraft with some friends. Like I sat online for like 45 minutes one night with my buddy Cody and, and all we did was just hang out, shoot the shit about nothing and plant TNT in a, in a mountain until we blew it up and just like yep. blew up the whole fucking mountain. And we're like, I remember cool. playing, playing World of Warcraft <laughs> and just sitting around and jumping around Stormwind. And running around, running around, running around in circles. No purpose. I mean, ima- imagine the opportunities with this kind of, this kind of uh, branded experience and or in-game advertising or whatever. It's got to be authentic, right? It'll, otherwise, right. It'll, it'll off-put a lot of people. But if you can find a way to integrate that such that it feels on brand, with both the game and with the advertiser not doesn't turn you turn doesn't turn off the user it's a pretty powerful way to create some subtle brand awareness tactics well what's cool is you can you can be a lot more interactive with the brands right like this is not the first time that you've been able to advertise in a video game i think one of the right. one of the earliest versions were in i want to say forza uh, back when Barack Obama was running for president, they were mm. they ran some ads. So you'd be racing on the, you know, driving down the street or racing on the racetrack, and then you had his campaign advertisement was on the billboard, right? Yeah. You could buy billboard space within the games and stuff. But that's just like, I mean, it's relevant, right? When you when you have a, a, a game that your purpose in the game is to drive around, that makes sense. But this, you know, it takes it to a whole different level of being able to mm-hmm. interact with the brand. So I'm, I'm actually kind of excited to see what what brands do with it uh, yep. and hope that a number of them embrace it and kind of build some really cool experiences. Speaking of blockchain and NFT, Starbucks details its blockchain-based loyalty platform and NFT community, Starbucks Odyssey. I don't know a lot about this one. It... 
from from all from what I could tell, in just a quick look, uh, their intent is to basically make like your pass an NFT. Um, mm. which you're not you're just using that instead of your normal pass i i don't know i we'll we'll see how it works but um, i think i think the idea it actually here well is... no it looks like they're planning to distribute other nfts by doing so in odyssey users earn nfts by doing challenges which could include real world activities so they're they're it's really more of like a rewards program, not their standard, right? You have your Starbucks card that you scan and whatever. It's more of like a, an evolved rewards program and everything that you get awarded are all NFTs. Now NFTs. the question is, can you send those, could you send those to somebody else and they can, you know, like, are they tied to you as a user mm-hmm. or could we are distribute those? Could we create a market for NFTs? For, for some redeemable, you know, you have almost people like Starbucks around, mugs. Well, you have people running around uh, who uh, who get the, who do the things to get the NFTs, and then create a marketplace to sell those. I don't know. They're not One probably the, not going to offer anything of enough value to make that worthwhile. Probably not. But the the cool thing about it, though, is you know. To your point earlier, we could make an entire episode on blockchain and a whole separate one on NFT, and maybe we will. But we'll, we'll lean into yeah. some of these more. Um, uh, they're sort of fringe, but they they're leading indicators of what's coming next, right? And Starbucks is, yeah. has always been on the leading edge, uh, as evidenced by accepting things like Apple Pay uh, yeah. way early in the process of of adoption of you know cardless or paperless transactions uh, so it'll be it's cool to see yeah. a large organization kind of start to embrace blockchain and nft specifically um as i mean, I, I love mainstream when companies like this get get involved and in, in start looking at things right like it's in experimentation and and you know many folks folks that don't like change and evolution right uh, uh which is definitely not me uh look at it like oh that's stupid it, you know said the same thing about apple pay right that's dumb we we have credit cards credit cards work just fine before credit cards you know people probably said the same when credit cards came around people probably said the same thing about that you know we have we have money we have cash why don't why don't you just carry cash like now before that it was coins before that it was gold and silver yeah like I love the fact that Apple Pay is you is as prevalent as it is. I went to the dentist earlier and paid for the dentist with my watch. Like I just, it's a lot. It's far more secure than using a credit card, and it's a hell of a lot simpler. Like it's a progressive dentist. Yeah, I was actually surprised. I saw it on there. <laughs> I was like, "There's no way this is, actually works." And I was just like, "I don't think I've ever seen done. that in a medical setting." Yeah. So. I don't know. I think it'd be cool. You know, will it will it be earth shattering? Probably not. But will it be an interesting thing and something that helps to build on the evolution of what can be done with blockchain technology and mm-hmm. you know Web three and the NFT space? Yeah, I think it'll add a lot of weight to it, or add some weight, maybe not a lot. Hmm. Uh, so the the last one and the interesting things. So we've we've got kind of this theme of converging physical with digital. Uh, so Wendy's latest Rick and Morty crossover opens portal to Uber Eats. Uh, I don't know anything about Rick and Morty because I've I've never watched it, but <laughs> the topic is really cool because they're they're basically saying there's a secret menu, 
And if you mm-hmm. order something from the secret menu from the Rick and Morty episode, they, then you're, you're entered to win exclusive merchandise like hoodies, sweatpants, bucket hats, whatever. And, you know, this, that, this isn't necessarily a new idea, but it is kind of a new it's application a new of a similar idea. Yeah. Um, and it pulls people into the, you know, the Uber Eats ecosystem, right? Yep. There's, there's no, I'm, I'm no stranger to ordering food. Um, <laughs> but I don't use Uber Eats very much. This could be, right. Now, I also am not like a huge Rick and Morty person, so it doesn't hit me, but it's also not their target audience. Uh, but if they had a similar thing around something that I was interested in, you bet your ass I'd be ordering something from Uber Eats to enter to win a contest and just yeah. you know have that, uh, that experience. This is basically a different way to enter sweeps, right? So I mean, yeah. we've worked with lots of CPG organizations, and they're they're running sweeps all the time, which is which is a great way to get in brand engagement and you know kind of beef up product purchasing during specific time periods. Um, this is a, this is a different way to run a sweeps um, that mm-hmm. kind of instead of just going to a website, it, it requires a purchase, which is kind of interesting. Yep. All right, moving on to our next section, questions and facts. Um, so we, we had some questions, and we're going to provide some facts. So the first question came from our account team, and it says, why do companies want employees in the office at all? So this is leading into our, our remote work conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the comment here says they, they save so much money on overhead without them in the office, specifically on rent. Ryan, you, you're passionate about this. Yeah. I mean, there, there's two, there's two parts to it, right? Why do companies want employees in the office? Uh, in my opinion, uh, folks that are really passionate about this really, ju- you know, when, it, when you get into it, it all boils down to, they don't know how to lead remotely. And it like everything turns into, well, I don't know how to do things. I don't know how to work in a remote world. Right. And I'm used to the old school where we used to, you know, everybody showed up every day in a suit and tie and we sat in a room and took notes by hand. Like, okay, cool. Stone age is over. Right. It, it's on you as a leader to figure out how to lead and empower and help, you know, all of those things that you do without you leveraging the crutch. I also mm-hmm. think folks who are micromanagers tend to want people in the office because they want to be able to walk by and see like, oh yeah, they're, they're working. I mean, they might be not doing anything <laughs> just because your hands are on the keyboard doesn't mean that you're being productive. Um, I think there's a, there's a, a link in, in a lot of, organizations or leaderships uh, mind that kind of links proximity with productivity. Mm -hmm. And to your point, those things can be commingled, but they can't be commingled without the right mechanisms in place to make sure that communication, collaboration, uh, innovation, Mm -hmm. all the things that you would experience in a normal office environment are in place. So we'll talk about, talk more about some of those things before, but, or later on. But uh, I think the short answer is, fear there's a lot of fear and i and you know not knowing some of the data right like we know the data because we've looked at it and we keep a a pulse on it a lot and we've experienced it right things like productivity right if you ask some folks who insist that everybody needs the office i guarantee you they think people are more productive in the office yep 
we know factually from data, not just our, like from tons of, of places, that is factually not true. Yep. You we'll want to get shit done? Don't, don't be in an office, right? Like yep. that's the, the simplest thing. Now, to the second point, they save so much money in overhead by without them in the office, specifically rent. Yes, you do save rent. You incur a hell of a lot more other overhead. Yep. Uh, you know, when... I've noticed this like kind of shift in in narrative of like uh, a desire to be remote um, and you know whether companies would allow that or not to almost like a that sort of mentality of like well it's it's just a cost savings for the company they don't want people to go back to work no it's actually a lot fucking more expensive and yep. honestly a lot more a lot more difficult to maintain yep. things in a distributed environment. We deal with it on a, a much smaller scale than some organizations who would... Now, maybe that's not true if you have a giant real estate portfolio, right? If you have a multi-billion dollar uh, campus, maybe maybe you do save enough money to offset. But you also have a hell of a lot of people to deal with. Mm-hmm. But even when you think of things like like supplying laptops to folks, now you're, now you're shipping laptops all over the place and... and then you get into other equipment and how you distribute that stuff, right? We used to have a closet. We had the room of requirement in the office. That's where everything lived. Now it's, it's, it's distributed. It has to be sent across, you know, to wherever those people are. It, it gets a lot trickier. Uh, in addition, there are other, you know, expenses that we have to incur. There are other benefits that you have to provide to offset certain things. There are, there are a lot of things that that play into it that uh, that definitely don't make it as cut and dry as like oh well you're just saving money not paying rent now. Uh, we'll we'll get into a lot a lot more of those specifics uh, in a, a little bit, but the I think that's a, a good snapshot. Um, so if you if you enjoyed that answer, stick around. There's a lot more. Um, yeah. So the next question is: I love water cooler talk. What? are you doing at Oodle to make up for the lack of office life? And we, we hear this question a lot too, right? Um, and the, the short answer is you have to be intentional about mm-hmm. providing outlets for employees to be able to have that same kind of banter. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of ways to do that. We have chosen to use technology to, to allow us to empower those things, right? So things like having open Slack channels, they're not for a specific, or they are for specific topics in some cases. Like we have something right. called the Daily Bork, which is all about pets and animals and those sorts of things. And it's open uh, office wide. We have a general channel that basically becomes full of memes and jokes. <laughs> um, and you can choose to inter- engage with that or not. And we've chosen to make Slack essentially for all communication that if we push the reset button tomorrow, can go away entirely. And it kind of gives you a free form right to put whatever you want to out there and just kind of be you. Whereas if you want mm-hmm. something to live for a long period of time, it goes in the project management communication software. That's not what Slack is for. Yep. Um, and that, and that's one of that we do, 100 like things. Yeah. We, we did it when we were in office, but the stand-ups, uh, those at least help get people and get some crosstalk. We've got you know, team standups and company wide standups. You know, uh, we try to do some, even some virtually hosted events. We've done some of those to to foster some things. But you're right; like it's a lot more. It is a lot more intentional. 
that's the, you know the accidentally bumping into somebody and having a random spur of the moment conversation is absolutely one thing that you will never be. Well, I don't want to say never. You, you in current state, uh, it is rarely solved for. Mm-hmm. You're, you're probably not going to have those. It has to be a lot more intentional to reach out to somebody or you know take a picture of your dog and share it. Uh, and, and that starts a conversation or participate in a conversation, right? Participate and, you know, in something somebody's talking about. We've also established things like a health and wellness program that we call OodleFlex. And yep. that, while not directly water cooler talk, it does get teams that don't normally interact and engage to mm-hmm. talk about a specific topic, right? So about drinking enough water or doing exercise. And these are all month-driven programs with prizes based on participation at the end of it. And the team has a lot of fun with it. There's a Slack channel. Yep. There's there's base camp communications around it. There's reminders about it. There's there's all kinds of stuff. And I, I think this that's one way to get the team interacting um, that may not otherwise without having a physical presence. Yep. All right, we're going to talk a lot more about those things as well. But this one's fun. Uh, the next thing is Apple just released their new fall lineup. How, they they must know us pretty well. How much money did Apple? How make much money did we spend? Pay. Yeah. They didn't mm-hmm. ask how much money we spent. They asked, um, what are you most excited about? What are you most excited about? I actually haven't asked you that question. It's uh, a good question. Probably the, the new Watch Ultra. Uh, it's the first real evolution to the Apple Watch since the introduction of the Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how it's going to be, to be honest, but it's the first evolution, so I'm always interested in that. Uh, I do like, uh, you know, when we were looking, when Apple released it, I've also been in the, in the process of, uh, I was researching, like getting, uh, dive certified. And then they were like, one of the things that I looked at is dive computers and they were like, oh yeah. And the Apple watch has a dive computer. I was like, fucking great. Problem solved. Yeah. <laughs> and, in, and, you know, immediately, obviously I'm, I'm reading things from like, elitist divers like it'll never replace my $1,400 <laughs> dive computer I'm like no shit guy it's not meant to it's right. been, like you you go diving every day professionally potentially multiple times a day I go diving thus far never so if I go once or twice a year and I can just use my Apple watch instead of having to have a whole separate thing that I have to learn how to use like yeah that's not so bad I'd and say probably victory. that the watch ultra, the iOS 16 doesn't count because I've had iOS 16. I've been on the beta. So cheater. That's not, not new to me, but there are some cool features. There are some really cool features that they've added to iOS 16. The phone, it's a minor evolution. There's nothing crazy there. Not, you know, it's faster. It's got a better camera. Uh, there's some bullshit marketing in that camera, right? The whole 48 megapixel thing, like, Sounds like a huge jump, but it's actually uh, in how the pixels are constructed and how it actually breaks down. Ultimately, it turns into a 12 megapixel output. So it's Mm. really a 12 megapixel camera that is marketed as a 48 megapixel camera. Android's doing the same stupid stuff right now. Like It just sounds super impressive, but at the end of the day, it's not bad. It's just not... It's just not that. It's, it's like back in that. the day when when processors were doing the exact same thing, and they they still kind of do. But, <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh, the exact same thing. Um, I'm I'm most excited about the the uh, AirPods Pro V2 because that's as just you know, yours are gone. <laughs> that's because my yard ate mine. 
Yeah. Like this, they're just nowhere to be found. The eight mine. So I'm excited. I, I am about psyched that. about those. My my right one started to rattle, so I gotta. I had to replace them anyways. And. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about that, and I'm also excited about the Apple Watch Ultra. I think that'll be cool. To your point, TBD on on whether it lives up to the hype, but the idea is pretty cool, and it seems yeah. to be like unbreakable, which is not a terrible thing. I'm sure somebody will prove that wrong right out of the gate. Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, we're into the meat and potatoes of our podcast, and we've already kind of given some tidbits and previews, but today's episode is all about remote work, what trends we've seen, how Oodle has navigated those trends over time, and how other companies have done those mm-hmm. things and made promises or made statements, uh, as it were, and not lived up to those statements or reverted back. And it's, it's been a very uncertain last three years or so. Mm-hmm. Um Two and a half years, almost three. You know, I, I, it's it's interesting too because I always get the question with, with us. I had it this today, right? People are like, "Oh, you know, do you guys work remotely or or whatever?" And you know, I remember when the pandemic stuff started, right, and shutdowns started happening, and uh, it's probably a good backstory for folks to understand our perspective, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of really started leaning into remote work as a as a real option. We had it as a, as a, I don't remember if it was a goal or a core value, but there was one that was around work from anywhere. It was a goal. Um, Yeah. And that was back in, in 2017. Um, It maybe started a little bit before then. We've always had a very flexible, fluid kind of uh, work policy, but back in 2017, we, we made that as an official publicly stated goal. Uh, and, you know, in part, as you alluded to, we had a couple of employees that were like, hey, I don't want to live in Cincinnati anymore. Um, and they were they were great people that we really wanted to retain. And we were like, well, why don't you just keep working for us where you're moving to mm-hmm. and, uh, and and kind of use that as a way to to force ourselves into figuring certain things out. Right. Figuring out you know, how does that work? Right. You can't, you can't just stumble out into the, to the bullpen and, and grab people to go into a meeting room. Right. Now you have to be able to include people virtually and in person. You have to have things like video and, and audio and good audio and, you know, all of those things that we'd never had to consider before. And some of those, you know, now looking at it as like, well, of course you do. Right. We've got a whole setup sitting here in our office that we're recording this on. Uh, but that wasn't the case back then. Back then, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I still recall when we were cleaning out the office when we finally did make the decision to close it. Like we still had polycoms and shit in there. Like, yep. The idea of purchasing a polycom right now to me is the most absurd thing I, I think I could possibly think of. Like, well, and and you you bring up an interesting point with the polycom idea because remote work has been around for a long, long time, or I'll say distributed work has been right. around forever by way of polycoms and voice chat of some kind, not chat necessarily. And then right. you would make up the difference between with like, you know, an instant messenger style right. communication tool. Those things aren't new. Right. Um, what is new is the expectation around FaceTime, right? Not the app right. on your phone. Video. Video, Video is the big thing. It that that's a compl- that's a it's been a game changer. So Back in 2017, when we were deciding to go partially remote with these employees moving across the country, we also interact with clients, right? Mm-hmm. So interacting with clients at a at a distance, it was 
an interesting thing to navigate because it was not normal to jump on a right. video call. If you ever did a video call with a client, you better you better believe their camera was off, right? Because it was it, it was a weird unspoken. Who it was? They didn't even know how to turn it on. <laughs> true. Yeah, true statement. Um, and you know the the pandemic has has really accelerated the adoption of technology like video chat, and frankly, the the innovation around video chat not just the adoption, but the innovation around it, the compression algorithms that make it feasible so that someone has a, a, a connection that's a little flaky, it still right. works. Um, like all, all, None of those things existed in 2017. And if they did, I, they were in their infancy. I think the device evolution has also been a, a key part of it, right? There's so, yep. many, so many iPhones, Androids, MacBooks, uh, PC notebooks, all with cameras and things in them now, you know, when we think back to that time period, MacBooks have had webcams forever. Um, PCs certainly have not. Uh, that, that has not always been a first party inclusion. Uh, so you had to tote around a, a webcam, like nobody's mm-hmm. going to do that. Uh, good microphones, you know, noise cancellation, beam forming, you know, those sorts of things like those, those, none of those were first party things. And, having technology then you then the way that you would connect was like you know webex or something which is mm-hmm. like the most atrocious thing ever if anybody ever sends me a webex link i'm like no uh, <laughs> but now something like zoom right zoom i can pull up on on zoom google hang like we use google meet for a lot of things i can pull it up on my ipad i can pull it up on my phone i can pull it up on my computer i don't have to install some soft you do have to install zoom software you can use it without installing it but it's you can it's not quite as good yeah but like it's super quick right i i have a i have a call scheduled with my dad you know next week over over zoom uh with a third party and i have full confidence it'll be just fine Mm -hmm. i i would not have that same confidence with like webex or something like that because it's a nightmare it's a nightmare for me and i'm a technical person Mm -hmm. so the that is the backdrop you know, working remotely has always been sort of part of the fabric of where Oodle was going. Mm-hmm. We got there a little faster than most of the rest of the market because we wanted to and because we felt like that was that was a, a cultural evolution that was inevitable. It wasn't right. if, but when that was going to become a cultural norm and Not something everyone. expected for employees, especially key talent. And yep. I think the pan, I don't think, I know the pandemic and the talent wars that we have just gone through as part of the, the great resignation and inflation spiking and all these different things. These are all key triggers that are influencing companies making decisions on whether remote work is going to be the fa- part of the, the fabric of their DNA or not in mm-hmm. what they do about it. Uh, it's one thing to say we can't be, a, we can't be near each other because health and safety protocols say that we shouldn't. And it's another thing right. to say, well, I want you back in the office just because you better have some good reasons for that. And I think, you know, there, uh, we're starting, we'll just peel away at this onion. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, there, there's a certain amount of like, you know, a certain amount of jobs that, uh, the wool got pulled out pulled off of people's eyes, so to speak, right? Companies for years said, oh, we can't, you know, we can't, we can't work remotely because, you know, X, Y, insert some bullshit reason, right? The phones only come here. And wouldn't you know it, 
when the when the place had to be shut down, they figured out how to reroute those phones some other way or invest in systems that allowed for you know folks to work f- to answer the the phone from home. Well, now you've just exposed it. you're full of shit. There's no yeah, reason, or it just wasn't a priority. Sure, and maybe a little bit of both, <laughs> but yeah. you know. He, unexposing that is difficult. There's also been a big push, right? Oodle has always been a culture first organization before we even knew that that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we've focused a lot on, you know, uh, our, our team and, and, you know, work life balance and all of those sorts of things. And we've always made that a, a, a part of the conversation and something that we're really focused on. That's part of why we leaned into remote work. We were like, hey, you know, ultimately people maybe don't want to live in the same place forever. Maybe it's not conducive to have like a two-hour round-trip commute every day when, you know, you really just have a lot of work to do. Maybe you need some focus time. Maybe you need a break. Um, You know, those sorts of things. And we're seeing COVID, I think, accelerated a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it also forced a lot of people to reevaluate, right? Like, do... Do I maybe do some stuff outside of work or, you know, rather than just work? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe those are priorities. And, you know, I remember talking to you when, <clears throat> I don't remember if it was when COVID first happened. It was when we, when we first started, when we first went, you and I started working remote a lot more, right? Because mm-hmm. it was a period where we were in the office a lot more and then we kind of pulled back. And I remember talking about and realizing like, just shaving off. I always lived pretty close to the office at the time, but just shaving off the, you know, 30 minutes of getting my stuff together and, you know, 15 minutes driving to the office and 15 minutes getting in the office and settling down and then doing all of that in reverse every day, right? Just shaving that off all of a sudden made it not quite as big of a chore to go work out, which is something that for me, mm-hmm. physically and mentally is beneficial. Or, uh, you know, any number of other things that I would also want to do for myself, yeah. all of a sudden that became easier. And I was like, holy shit, I didn't ever think about this before. Yeah. And you're, you're right. It, it's, it's interesting to talk to individuals. Like what, what do they do with that made up commute time? Some people work mm-hmm. out, some people meditate, some people decide to call it quits a little early and, and just spend time with their kids. Some people take the dogs for a walk. Uh, but either way, I think everyone leverages or has found benefit, whether they could identify that as a benefit or not in, in the lack of commute. Right. Um, you know, uh, we we're talking about some positives about uh, working from home, but, you know, a couple things that, that we had as learnings along the way is, you know, we, we said that we started going remote in circa 2016, 17, something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. As we got more and more liberal and we didn't even do it by like mandate, we just allowed people to be flexible. And just over time, it slowly became kind of happened organically. It happened organically. But I think so, for anyone that's that's contemplating going remote, I think one lesson learned that I have is make the decision sooner than later and have mm-hmm. a path to get there. Because we had we had a lease, and that was kind of our catalyst to make that decision, right? But had the lease been earlier than that, we would have made the decision sooner because the office effectively became a ghost town. On any mm-hmm. given Wednesday, you had 
you know, 20% One, of the staff in the office, people. Uh, yeah. more than that. But and on any, the next Wednesday, you would have a different 15% of the staff in the office. And so there was never this, this collaborative magical moment that people believe that the office ha- has. So, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to be all in, cool, be all in. If you're going to be all out, cool, be all out. And if you're somewhere in the middle with a hybrid work, that's fine too, but make sure it's the same days of the week. So that you foster that collaboration. Especially if you're a smaller team, right? When you're a team that's the size that that ours is, if you only have 10% of the people in the office, you don't want it to feel like a ghost town, right? Right. Nobody wants to go into a, you know, a a work bullpen that has a hundred desks and you got 10 people sitting there. Correct. It it feels feels weird. It feels weird. Uh, So anything you can do to kind of, you know, whether that's potentially make the space smaller and and have like a um you know rent a desk so to mo- not actually rent but you know floating desk hotel sort desking. of model yeah hotel desk desk hotel yeah. looking for something like that um or coordinating days in our team does that now right we you know we have some folks that they still enjoy getting out of their house right remote doesn't i think that's maybe like a misnomer too right Remote working doesn't mean work from home. Does it completely different? That's why we haven't used that phrase. Yeah. And and I think when most people hear remote work, I think they assume work from home, right? I work from home. I have a dedicated mm-hmm. office space. So do you. Yep. Uh, and that works really well for me and it works well for, you know, what I like to do and whatever, right? Not everybody has that. And, and not everybody operates the same way. Some people like still like the office environment and you know things like shared office space companies like WeWork and those sorts of places uh have offerings for those that work really well and that's Mm -hmm. you know we have that baked into again going back to you know companies save all this money with rent well they do but if they're intelligent about it right certainly somebody might just be like yeah everybody work from home well you're probably gonna have a bad time you know, one of our one of our benefits is is that we offer co working space, right? We'll pay for a co working space for you, um, and we've done that for a number of individuals on our team. Probably thirty percent, forty maybe. Yeah, I'd I'd say between probably thirty percent that have raised their hand. And if if the rest of them raised their hand and said, "I'd like co working space," we would do the do it for the rest. Yeah, um, but a decent number of them, you know, they what where I was getting with that coming full, you know, real. I'll beat all the way around the bush before I get to the point. <laughs> uh, is that they uh, they coordinate days, right? So folks that have co-working space in the same city, uh, they tend to coordinate days. They'll be like, hey, I'm going to be here at this place today or Friday or you know whatever. And that helps to encourage other people to potentially go and have some of that interaction time and cross cross-pollination time or encourage you to be like, you know what? Don't have a whole day of meetings this day. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you, you can allow for that stuff. So I think, you know, being mindful about that is definitely important. And, and I think you hit on another interesting topic as well. Um, and this is something that organizations that have a lot of people in one location or in multiple locations should still keep in mind as they're, thinking about their work, their, their remote work dynamic. So hiring in clusters and having teams and clusters, there, there is benefit to that. 
uh, there are, there's benefit for after hours collaboration or co-working in the same place that is in some coordinated way. But there's also administrative benefits that, that you may not have thought about and we didn't think about, um, and we're, we're still kind of working it. Just, on, it's on somebody it. else's problem. <laughs> right. Uh, administratively, you, you thank do you, have Audrey. more, right. Thank you, Audrey. Shout out. Um, but there's, there's definitely more administration involved. You have local taxes and you have state mm-hmm. taxes that in, depending on where you are, those can vary pretty starkly. You have cost of living implications. You have, um, time zone implications, which yep. time zone implications isn't new necessarily, but it is if you only have one person on the West coast and you're an East coast based company, you have to figure out what that I mean, dynamic like, looks like. That's honestly a good one too. And, and really it boils down to like, if you're, if you're thinking about going remote or if you're in a position where you're forced remote or any number of, of uh, any variation thereof, it behooves you to kind of establish in writing the rules of the road, right? How do we operate as a company? What are our, our targets, right? In our world, the same thing. Like we've the time zone piece does come up. If you got one person, if everybody's on the East Coast and there's one person on the West Coast, it's real easy for those East Coast folks to forget entirely that 9 a.m. meetings on the East Coast are 6 a.m. on the West Coast. Yep. And Maybe if the West Coast person, you know, we've actually, all of our folks that are on Mountain Time and West Coast are all like those weirdos that like to wake up super early. You would not uh, thrive there. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd, I mean, I'd be just fine. I just wouldn't. I'd you just, just wouldn't break make that mold. meeting. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, you, we, can meet, we can meet at 9 a.m. my time. Mm-hmm. If not, you're going to have to make something else work. I don't care. Uh, but different companies do have different policies around that. Some some focus more, you know, on establishing a, a clear time zone or uh, or what have you. But making sure that those are understood, maybe clustering those folks so that they're working with you know similar ish uh, individuals. You know, you're in the agency world. You're you know, I always wind up saying like you operate on whatever time zone your clients in. Yep, that's right? true. Because that becomes the reality of the situation. I don't care. I don't care what time zone you're on. You're you're kind of beholden to your client's time zone. Um, Especially if you're in account management or maybe even project management. If you're in production, depending on how that how that schedule works out, you can probably flex that a little bit. Yeah. Now you can get some benefits too, right? We've talked about that before too, where you could have if you've got some West Coast folks and you've got some East Coast folks and they work you know, say nine to five ordinary hours. Uh, you can have some East Coast folks that are working on something and then, yep. you know, potentially pass it over to the West Coast to finish it out. Uh, and then, you you know, you don't have people burning the candle at both ends and burning themselves out and uh, those things. But you do have work progressing yep. uh, c- kind of continually, right? And, uh, you know, that's that's been a, a pretty normal thing for quote-unquote outsourced work for a very, right. very long time. But the insourced work has tended to be within the same time zone. And so you're right. There's definitely the same benefit that that organizations have experienced from sort of round-the-clock work. So pl- maybe mm-hmm. planning work was during the day and then production work was in the evening and across the world or across the globe. You can have that same kind of that flexibility if you establish your team structures the right way internally. Now, it, it, yeah. what happens if you don't adopt any sort 
of remote policy? How do you think companies are going to fare? I think it depends on who you are. Um, depend, like it depends on the company itself. If you're a company in who your main demographic is more progressive and, um, you know, em- embracing of new ideas and things, you're probably not going to fare all that well. I also think that's, that I alluded to earlier, kind of like the, the reshuffle. I, I think we're going to continue to see people who do not thrive and do not like a remote work world, you know, old, young, doesn't matter. They, some people just, they just don't like that. I think you're going to see those kinds of folks self-select out of yep. places that are remote and select into places uh, that are not, which is, have- to, which is to say, like, I think there's space for both to coexist. Which one will be more predominant than the other? I honestly don't know off the top of my head. Um, I think in the short term, absolutely, it's going to be remote or hybrid. Mm -hmm. And I think we're, you know, if you don't now, if you're a company and you don't offer any hybrid option, you're, you're, I mean, effectively, you're just limiting your talent pool, right? You're limiting your Mm -hmm. talent pool uh, anyways, because you're limiting it geographically. Um, On top of that, you're limiting your, your pool to folks that really want that sort of experience. They really want to wake up in the morning and go to the office and, and be around people. And, you know, there's still folks that, you know, whether whatever your opinions are aside, uh, there are some folks that are, are less than comfortable sitting in a room with a lot of people even still right now. Yep. Um, and that's something that I think as a, as a company would as any leader would be irresponsible not to at least consider. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned, you mentioned earlier that you don't know which one is going to fare. And I think, I think you're right. I think there is room for organizations to coexist um, where you have, it's really, you kind of have three models, right? You've got mm-hmm. fully remote, you've got the hybrid partial or you have be in the office all the time. I, I think right. all three of those will coexist maybe henceforth, but you're right. I think the, the challenging part that organizations are going to face right now. And I think we've seen this as part of the great resignation uh, is if you, if you are an employee that really values remote work, and your company doesn't have a policy or you're not confident that they're going to have a policy that they can stick to, you're going to jump to someone that does. Right. And that kind of goes both ways, right? So if you're, a comp- if you're somebody that's comfortable coming to the office, you want to know that your company is going to have people come to the office because you thrive in that environment. Maybe you're you know, an extreme ext- extrovert and you really need that social interaction. Well, right. then- You can't get it outside of- business hours. Right. Right. Exactly. So that there's going to be room for both, but in the meantime, we're going to have this shuffling of the decks uh, of the deck of cards where people are going to move around between organizations and that's going to cause some ripples and some, um, some continued, uh, not just talent loss, but institutional knowledge. So when, 
large groups of work, people leave an organization, a lot of institutional knowledge gets lost and that's incredibly difficult to replicate. Yeah. And I mean, you make up a good point. You know, I've, I've been known for saying, you know, in, in, in lieu of fact, people will, will fill in opinion. Right. Um, and I think if uh, companies can, can benefit themselves by just help communicating, right. What is our plan? How, mm-hmm. how does it work? What are our policies? Uh, so that, you know, folks don't just take that into their own hands and, and assume that it's going to be one way or the other. Uh, now, you know, even with that, I think you're going to have companies that have different, differing opinions. They have, have differing, uh, drivers, right? Apple's been one that has been really vocal about getting people back in the office and, Mm -hmm. and what have you. And, you know, I've mentioned before, I was like, guy, you know, while I don't want to put my tinfoil hat on, I would be remiss if I didn't at least acknowledge the fact that they just spent a metric fuckload of money on a brand new campus right before COVID. Probably some shareholder justification necessary there. Right? Oh yeah, there's no why doubt. Do you, why do you need the big spaceship office that cost us a lot of money as mm-hmm. shareholders uh, if, if nobody's going to be in it? Right? Yep. And, and there's no certainly one. other other things with a company like Apple, right? Too trade secrets, all those sorts of things. I'm sure, you know, it's a lot easier to keep that stuff under lock and key uh in that world. But so so we've been talking a lot about our experiences and a lot about things. So what what have big organizations done? You started talking about Apple. We're gonna give you the highlights of what Microsoft, Google, Meta, Apple, Netflix, big tech companies that kind of everyone sort of looks to for guidance and inspiration when it comes to topics like this, because if they can figure it out and establish a policy early, a lot of other groups follow suit. Uh, And it just so happens that all of these groups have some foothold in digital marketing and advertising. Uh, So it it kind of drives the talent pool, clients and everything else that we interact with. And I think overall, I mean, it's, it's important to just highlight like the overarching is like everybody's in hybrid right? You've got uh, Netflix and Goldman Sachs as like the two outliers that I'm well aware of that are very much office first, right? The net, I think it was the Netflix CEO that uh, was quoted, they cracked a joke about like, uh, let's see. Yeah. It doesn't see doesn't see any positives in working from home and that their employees will return to the office 12 hours after the vaccine is approved. Like clearly that guy uh, does not believe in any sort of remote anything, right? He's got to be able to go look over your shoulder and see what you're doing. Fine. Don't want to work for Netflix. Uh, Then you have a few companies Shopify, Dropbox, Coinbase, Slack that are remote, like remote first. And they're like real remote. Uh, Coinbase was the first one that I recall, at least, that has no corporate headquarters. They gave up their corporate headquarters. They updated their filings. Their filings even start with, you know, we're a remote company that has no public head or no corporate headquarters, which is fucking weird. Yep. We know firsthand how weird mm-hmm. that can be when you don't have kind of a a headquarters and remote, right? Um, and then everybody else is in this hybrid role. Like 
right now at least. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see if people... If like, I think most people are going to stay in the hybrid world, though. Just yeah. either leaning left or leaning right. Like <laughs> You're going to lean one direction. Yeah, I, I think so too. And it's been interesting to see the big players waffle mm-hmm. as they get employee pressures, right? So they'll, they'll make a statement of everyone's coming back to the office five days a week. And then the employees will push back and then say, okay, well, maybe three days a week. And employees will push back and they'll be like, okay, well, maybe not yet. But it's still going to be three days a week. And then they'll establish a new date and then they'll say, oh, well, maybe not yet again. Mm -hmm. Um, So at at this point, I think, you know, even most of the big tech companies as of Labor Day are still not fully back into that hybrid place, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, like Apple... Apple basically had like a return to work or else after Labor Day and the same thing happened that happened the first time, right? Mm-hmm. Their all their employees were like that's not what we want. Yep. Uh and that's not what we're going to do. Um and Apple's return was a little toothless, right? If you're going to make a stance like you've got to be willing to accept the repercussions of the or else. Or else mm-hmm. it's like, you know, when your mom's threatening you as a kid, like you better come down here by the time I count to three. One, two, that fucking three never comes. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's true. Um, I am much more a fan of like what Meta and Microsoft are doing. Obviously, it's going to align with my own personal views a bit more. Mm-hmm. But I also really like that you know their approach has at least from what they've said, uh, tried to rely on data, right? Microsoft's public statement and what they've continued to reinforce is that we don't have a return to work date. We're leveraging data to tell us what we should do from here. Mm -hmm. And uh, Microsoft has been really great about aggregating that data. They've even shared a lot of that data. We, we can probably have some links to it. So click, you know, click through to the blog post in the show notes and check some of that stuff out. But there's some really compelling data in, you know, Microsoft's world. And Microsoft has always been, it sounds weird to say Microsoft has been a leader and innovator, <laughs> but for the past, you know, some number of years since, you know, Satya Nadella, kind of took over and rehabbed this ailing, archaic beast of a company, um, they've changed, right? They they focus a lot on innovation. They're bringing a lot of new thinking and new technology. They've brought a lot of this sort of data to us to be able to say like, well, what, what uh, for what types of things are, are there reasons to work from home or work in person, right? One of the charts that, you know, will be, you can go find it, uh, is the one that I, I thought was interesting where they kind of broke it down to like work-life balance, focused work, commute, you know, network connectivity, collaboration with coworkers, food and drink availability, social interactions and office furniture. And, you know, kind of surveyed their large, group of employees and, and reported out on that data and nothing is earth shattering or, or crazy, but it is nice. It is interesting to be able to see the real numbers with real mm-hmm. information, right? Work-life balance, obvious mainly main reason, you know, 59% to 12% reason to work from home. 
focus, focused work, right? You know, the people who think that you can be productive in an office, no. 49% to 21%. You, you, mm-hmm. it's much easier to close the door and focus at home. Assuming you have the right setup, assuming you have a dedicated workspace, assuming you don't have kids and things like that, that you're also trying to care for it's a whole different topic. Mm-hmm. Um, commute, obviously huge one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but then you start to have other things you don't think about, right? Network connectivity, uh, depending on your, Connectivity at home, right? We've had some people who've had some potato connections that were gonna be like, "Hey, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta deal with that, up. right?" And we offer an internet stipend, so we're kind of we're making up for, you know, we have minimums that we expect, and you know, you're not you, you can't can't not be able to reliably have a video conference call, right? Um, but those connectivity issues—that's our reason to work in person. It's just easier, right? Now it's the IT guy's problem. It's not my problem if the internet's flaking out. Uh, collaboration with coworkers, an obvious one. As much as we can introduce technology, you know, even with someone like Microsoft, Microsoft makes Microsoft Teams. But at the end of the day, there are certain things that are really difficult to replace having people in person. Um, which, you know, that's why hybrid works so well. You can get mm-hmm. together for those things. You know, do you need to have a brainstorming session every single day? No. Do you, do you, you know, do you need to have high touch collaboration every single day? No. Uh, but for those events that you do, you can get together and, you know, do those things in person in some cases, uh, and it can be more effective. And obviously social interaction is the other one that's, you know, hugely weighted, uh, towards why you would work in person. Obviously you get much more social interaction. It's not, you don't have to be as intentional. You don't have to go out of your way to, talk to people if you're an introvert that's actually the opposite direction that's probably the five percent that said (laughs) reason to work from home (laughs) it's like well i don't want to talk to people i don't want to i don't want to interact with you you know the office furniture one is actually one that i thought was really interesting because 22 percent said that that's a reason to work in person because they have a better office setup and seven percent said it's a reason to work from home and uh you know it actually wasn't surprising to me at all i was maybe surprised it's not even more skewed, but with it, our experience, I learned how different, like I've always had a dedicated office and, you know, a, a clear office space set up, right. And optimized for working and everything I like to do. Uh, but I've discovered quickly that that is not the norm. So, no, it's, it's not the norm for sure. I think what surprises me about it is maybe that more organizations haven't taken advantage or haven't provided a level of support that might be necessary. Um, And maybe Microsoft did, and I just don't know it. But if you're going to be at home, you have to provide some sort of stipend for office furniture equipment that an individual may not already have that would be a counter to them working for you as an organization if, if they have to buy it on their own dime. So just something to consider as part of remote work. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's definitely like a fringe policy probably too. You know, it's something we offer for our employees, mm-hmm. um, is, is, you know, a certain stipend to get you set up with, a, with things, even if you already have things, if you want better things or something that optimizes your workspace, Hey, no problem. Um, mm-hmm. but that's not, that's not the norm for a lot of companies, you know, even like, it's really like BYOD for 
for office furniture. <laughs> right. Yeah. So true. Um, and some of the stuff can be expensive, right? Chairs before we built our office, like I never realized how expensive a good chair is, right? Not a chair, mm-hmm. not like you go to office max or office Depot and pick up a chair for a hundred dollars that your back's going to hurt. Like if you're sitting in this thing for six, seven, eight hours a day, it better be a good fucking chair. Mm-hmm. And, and they are expensive, but we they're worth made, it. We always made the joke that if people ever wanted to rob our office, they would go for like the technology that's in there. When Take the all the laptops, were, leave the chairs. Yeah. <laughs> Far and away the most expensive thing, <laughs> the chairs. Yeah. For, for sure. If you broke into our office, I'd be, and you stole all the laptops, I'd be happy. I'll remotely, remotely lock, remotely wipe all of them. You can have them. I'll file the insurance claim. Just don't steal my damn chairs. <laughs> That's funny. They take so, longer to get and they're more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's, there's been lots of pros and cons that we've talked about for remote work, for in-person work, for hybrid work. Um, you know, it, it, not everyone's flavor is going to be the same, right? The, mm-hmm. the, the real lesson to be learned here, I think, or the lessons that we learned here, and I think most organizations are still learning, um, so are we, is what do people expect? Why do they expect that? And how can we as an organization or you as an organization, how can, how can you adapt to those things without infringing on one group or the other and what those yeah. expectations are? Because they can be pretty starkly different. And as the, the reshuffling of the, of the talent happens over the next, I don't know how many, whatever period of time, months, years, where people align with organizations that lean more heavily into remote or not, um, I think we're going to consistently see this sort of interesting dynamic in the marketplace where um, some groups will win because they have remote work and some groups will win because they, they don't. And they don't. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, uh, to sum it up, you know, in, in some ways or so to, you know, you got to talk to your people, right? If you're a, if you're a, a leader of any kind, uh, Talk to your people. Make sure that you maintain that open line. We still do it, right? Mm-hmm. I think we do a pretty decent job at, you know, the remote from remote working. I think we've got a lot of things figured out. Do I think we have everything figured out and we can't improve on anything? No. Absolutely. We not. never would, but we never will, right? Maintaining an open mind and open line of communication to at least be able to acknowledge and and talk about things and maybe evaluate how you could do it differently is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't and, think you can, you can't take the mindset of like, you know, this is just temporary or whatever. This is at this point, we're, we're two years into this shit. Like this is, this is the new world. Yep. Uh, so we've, we've got to figure out how to exist in it. There's no going back to the good old days, right? That doesn't happen ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if folks think that that's we're magically just going to wake up one day and we're not going to have remote working and all this thing like it's not going to happen no it's not all right well i think that wraps it we're uh if you have a, a need to interact with the rest of your team somehow some way we put together uh this is going back a little while of uh, a, a um we called it a covid bingo game at the time but really it's a remote work bingo game um, that you know, we'll provide as a downloadable so that you can go check that out. 
and uh, and use that to interact with your team. Just a fun way to interact as part of conference calls. It's, it's especially fun if you're in a team setting, like a, a team stand-up or something like that, where everybody's chiming in at the same time via chat. And uh, you I think can see we, didn't we first. use it at one of like our quarterly meetings or something like that? We did. We did it at quarterly all hands. Those things are usually about 90 minutes, so they had lots of time to, to fill up the bingo cards. Yeah, I'm, it, it's a good time. And those those sorts of little things go a long way. Yeah, they really do. They can, you know, your team will know and they, I think they feel that you're being intentional and you're, you're trying to, uh, to, to engage everyone where they are. Um, and you know, it, it, it shows. All right. We'll see you next time. Peace. See you.